2: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.
1: Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Welcome to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in tonight for Ryan Recker. Ryan should be back next week, but in the meantime, we've got lots of things to talk about, lots of fun to have, and of course, obviously, always interacting with you. Uh, hey, listen, I've got—I was on Monday night and and uh, Monday night and Tuesday. I got lots of emails from folks, so I appreciate that, and I just want to give you my email address again if you want to shoot me an email. Always enjoy getting feedback from listeners. My law firm, Harris, Dowell, Fisher & Young. My email address is byoung at harrisdowell.com. H-A-R-R-I-S as in Sam, D as in David, O-W-E-L-L.com. Feel free to send me an email at any time. I always respond to all emails. So thank you for staying in touch with the show. You know, I know you heard at the top of the hour, Don Wells passed away Uh, 82 years old. So, you know, what's interesting about Don Wells, I don't know if you knew this or not, but, but Gilligan's Island did not do well when it was in first run. Now that was before my time. I, I wasn't even born when the show started, but certainly when I was a kid, I watched a ton of it in syndication. And that's when, that's when Gilligan's Island really became something was in syndication. And what's interesting is, is that none of those actors, none of them, made any money on syndication. Because when Gilligan's Island was on in the 60s, you know, lawyers apparently weren't as smart in the 60s as they are today. <laughs> because no one thought of working it into the contract that they get money for syndication. However, Don Wells was the exception. So she was married at the time in the 60s to, I believe, either a Hollywood agent or a producer or somebody in the business. And she had it in her contract that she actually got paid when the show went into syndication. So of all of the actors, whether it was Gilligan, Skipper, the Professor, the Howells, or even Ginger herself— None of them made a nickel until those really, really bad TV movies came around in the 70, late 70s and 80s. But Don Wells was making money during the whole time it was in syndication. Maybe not the whole time because I know she had some money troubles at the end of her life and she was raising money uh, on uh, online. Uh, in a fundraising operation to help pay some of her medical bills. This was a couple of years ago. So obviously she didn't make that much money, uh, but she was the only one that made money when Gilligan's Island was in syndication. So God bless you, Dawn Wells, and uh, we are going to miss you. You know, one of the things that I've missed, and I know you've missed this too, is going to a restaurant. I mean, when, when was the last time you did that? I mean, uh, you know, we uh, we woke up all of a sudden and uh, we're suddenly in the 12th century, uh, except we've got streaming and, and, and cell phones. But we, we couldn't even go eat at a restaurant, for goodness sakes, uh, in the past month and a half. But that's going to change. And uh, St. Louis County Executive Sam Page has graciously, graciously decided to allow bars and restaurants to reopen for indoor dining starting on Monday. But, you know, here's my problem, and we'll probably get into this later in the show. We've got some interviews lined up for this hour and next hour, and in the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to break down a lot of the news. But here's the question that I have about this opening up the restaurant. You know, the, the measure that was signed and announced, rather, by Sam Page, it limits occupancy. Okay, that's fine. Requires businesses to, to require masks be worn. That's fine. Tables have to be six feet apart. Great. No complaints. But here's where I get really upset because the regulations are going to require that restaurants keep track of your name and the people in your party, your name, your address, your phone number, anytime you go to a restaurant so that healthcare workers can then trace coronavirus outbreaks if they happen later on. So I'm imagining something out of a, out of a uh, you know, World War II movie where somebody's going to come up to me like in Casablanca and they're going to say, Brad, we want your papers, you know, and, and I'm going to have to what? Produce an ID to get an iced tea? Really? I'm going to have to produce an ID to get a cheeseburger? But apparently that's what's going to happen. So I, will I do it? Yeah, probably. But I do feel it's an invasion of my privacy to have some restaurant required to keep track of my name and address for contact tracing purposes. Now, they're going to have my credit card information anyway, of course, but they don't need to know the names of my kids when they're with me at dinner or my friends. If I'm picking up the check, they're going to want to know all of that. So that is truly going to be different when we start going back to restaurants uh, coming up after the break, you know, the closure of restaurants has obviously uh, been a big deal financially. And I wanted to talk to Dave Simons. You know Dave Simons, he's a Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS. Plus, he's the host of Dollars and Cents right here on Camo X. After this break, we're going to talk to Dave about the economic outlook for 2021, how the stock market is expected to perform. Because if you've got a 401k plan, you're in the stock market. Uh, It doesn't mean that you're uh, a Wall Street fat cat playing the stocks. If you have a a retirement plan, if you have a pension plan, if you have a 401k plan, the stock market is where your money is. And so it's in your best interest to keep track of that. But we're also going to talk to Dave about what end-of-the-year steps you should take to make sure you are on the right track financially. So stick around for that. Dave Simons right after this. I'm Brad Young, sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier.
2: Siri, play KMOX.
1: Welcome back to Overnight America. That was very fitting music there, James, because, you know, a lot of us have been under pressure with finances due to COVID. So... To to kind of bring it on home, we're here at the end of the year. I wanted to talk to Dave Simons. You know Dave Simons. He's the Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS Financial and host of Dollars and Cents program right here on CAMOX. Dave, welcome back to CAMOX.
0: Brad, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Good talking to you.
1: It's always a pleasure talking to you. And, uh, you know, just this week, the Dow Jones Industrial Index hit an all-time high and the S&P and the NASDAQ are are close to all-time highs, and yet unemployment is still high nationally. The numbers of people who have left the workforce is staggering, and many segments of our economy, like restaurants, I mentioned that before the break, and leisure and hospitality, all of those have been decimated. So why is there a disparity between economic conditions on the ground and market activity on Wall Street?
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem to make sense, does it? the market really is a predictive mechanism. The Wall Street doesn't react to the news of today. It it really does look out at least a couple of quarters and says, well, where are we heading? Where's the trend taking us? Doesn't mean the market's gonna be right but that's how it bets and so it looks past the pandemic it looks past the the point where it believes people most everyone will have access to the vaccine and through hurt mentality that or immunity that will be kind of past this everything will be open uh theaters will start to open we will be able to go to riverport again maybe at least partially go to bush stadium again and see the blues uh, at the arena all of that that's what the market is looking at and Brad, i had heard you talking about restaurants and and you missed that. You can't wait to get back in there where you look at some of these restaurant stocks that got decimated. They're back to their all time highs Mm -hmm. again, not on earnings because their earnings still stink. But the whole idea is there is this pent up demand and that as soon as everything opens back up, people will not only spend what they spent before, but then even above that. Because everyone's just going to go crazy. Now, I don't know if that's going to turn out to be true, Mm -hmm. but the market is betting on it. And so here's the downside to all this. The market is priced to perfection. So if we don't see a huge rebound, I mean record type of GDP growth, at least in the second half of 2021, then this market's going to be a little bit vulnerable to a correction.
1: Sure, and, and that's that's obvious because, like you say, the market's looking at the best-case scenario. If we miss that best-case scenario, the market will have to adjust.
0: Yeah, because from any historical viewpoint, this market is considered to be a little bit on the overvalued side. Now, some you can look at some data and say it's historically overvalued. I am not in that camp because you also have to keep in mind that interest rates – are still historically low. And that allows valuations of Mm -hmm. stocks to be higher. But even with that, yes, this market is priced as if nothing bad is Mm -hmm. going to happen. There can't be any black swans. We can't have a second virus. We can't have any, uh, you know, uh, trouble in the Middle East where we start to have problems over there. I mean, we've got to have a pretty non-eventful 2021 and people are really going to have to start spending money again. The unemployment rate is going to go down. If all of that occurs and then some, this market will post another positive year in 2021. It, it will. But it's got to have a, a relatively non-eventful um, year.
1: You know, uh, We're talking to Dave Simons. He's a senior vice president of wealth management at uh, UBS Financial. And, of course, he's host of the Dollars and Cents program here on Camo X. And the, the closure of brick-and-mortar stores you know, that was already in high gear before the pandemic. But would it, would it be fair to say that the pandemic accelerated a process that was already occurring?
0: Oh, no question. What what this pandemic did is it basically took the next five years of of economic trends and brought them into 2020. It really did. Um, you, you had more uh, service companies um, all of a sudden just Go through the roof, Peloton, obviously, and Zoom. And maybe this is where they were going to be in five years, six, seven years. Well, we jumped right there in 2020. And then we continue to see the demise of a lot of the traditional retailers. And as you mentioned, the brick and mortars and the malls. Well, this just exacerbated their declines and ultimately their debt. That, in some degree, was going to happen over time, but it just quickened the, the entire pace. So that brings up, Brad, what we were talking about before. What does that mean for 2021? Well, how in the world? And I, and I got to um, give the disclaimer here. I'm not giving buy, sell, hold recommendations with if this is a good stock or not. But you look at the, the stocks that have done very well, like a Zoom and a Peloton. Those are two of the poster children of, of the new service type of stocks that did very, very well. Can they continue to grow at the same rate in 2021 and 2022 as they did? Uh, this past year. It's unlikely. I'm not saying they're not going to continue to grow, but they basically got a number of future years earnings brought into one year. Now it's their job to continue to play on that and feed on that. So I I think that that's something the market's going to have to grapple with. I'm a big fan right now of some of the old traditional uh, types of industries that maybe had lagged in 2020 that you're going to start to see some of these deep value stocks mm-hmm. that were not in the news start to come back as the economy starts to come back.
1: You know, speaking about the economy coming back, we we spoke earlier this year and we discussed terms like a V-shaped curve and a U-shaped curve, but now we're seeing this recovery called a K-shaped curve. What do these yes. terms what do these terms mean, Dave? And and uh, what is your assessment of the, how the recovery has changed? from what we were seeing in the summer and early fall to what we're seeing now.
0: So they're really, if we're using symbols and letters, think of this. You you got the Nike swoosh. You can picture that. I've really been using that to explain how the economy is is coming back. The stock market was a V-shaped rebound, but not the economy. The economy is definitely trending up, but it's taking a lot longer. If you can picture that Nike swish, the K is really interesting, and it's one that I abide by when it comes to individual Americans and their own unique situations. So, forget about the line—you know, the the um, uh, what do I want to say—the uh, the vertical line that makes the K, but those other two lines of the K, the one that goes up, are the people who have actually done well in 2020. The people who had a lot of money in the stock market and were able to profit, the folks who kept their job or even uh, saw an increase, that leg of the K that goes down is the rest of America that did not participate in the one huge growth area of the economy, and that was Wall Street, the stock market. Those are the folks that might've had a minimum wage job that they lost and they're just trying to get by or laborers who were furloughed and just trying to get by and didn't have much in the stock market. So this is a very serious topic and deserves a lot deeper discussion among a lot of folks in this country. But the divide in this country was also exacerbated by the pandemic. We've had a divide for a while, but it was really increased. So that's where your K comes from. What do we do about it? that's a whole other discussion. Mm-hmm. But it's something that needs to be discussed.
1: Yeah, we're talking to Dave Simons, who's Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at, at UBS Financial. And, you know, we often see, Dave, uh, economic trends affecting different parts of the country differently. I mean, generally speaking, it's always been my assessment that the coasts of the larger cities experience greater increases when things are going well, but they also experience greater contraction when a recession hits. So, How do you expect the St. Louis area to look six months from now compared to the rest of the country?
0: So we're always kind of in between. Um, We we typically don't get as hard hit hard as some of your bigger metro areas on the east and west coast. Um, But we also don't see the quick rebound when that occurs. So we're somewhere in the middle. But you bring up a really interesting point because this is unique what's happening in the rebound that we're going to see. Because now we're going to throw in a demographic shift in this country because of the pandemic. A lot of folks have realized, wait a minute, I don't have to go into that big high-rise office where it's really expensive in New York City. I was staying out of my home over here in New Jersey or upstate New York. And my employer has given me permission to stay home. I talked to another woman who was working in New York. Her family lives actually in Tennessee. So during the pandemic, she wasn't allowed to go into that high rise in downtown Manhattan. She went to Tennessee. She worked from there. She's now been given permission by her employer because she has the type of job that allows this, that she is now going to work for good in in rural Tennessee.
1: And she's not alone.
0: And and she is not alone. And now you're having people. We know this. The data shows this. You're having people now in California, uh, a very high tax state say you know what we're shifting our operations down to Texas down to Arizona my daughter lives in Texas when you da- when you drive highway 35 from basically Dallas through Waco Austin on down to San Antonio it is amazing the construction that's going on along that corridor and that is not stopping so Brad that's the that's the one thing that I would tell a lot of investors when you want to think long term look at that one item the geographical shift yes. and the demographic shift that's going to take place over the next generation, I would not be a huge investor. Let's say in a, in a lot of the commercial real estate in big cities. St. Louis is 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 fine, but I'm talking about large cities like that, you know, malls and, and whatnot. But but look at the other areas of the country that are seeing an influx of people, technology, and business.
1: Well, I got to tell you a quick story. In my law practice, Dave, I I work on the employment side, employment law, but the management side. So I'm representing corporations, McDonald's, Domino's, uh, lots of trucking companies, but I also work with a lot of insurance companies. And I was talking with an adjuster a month ago from a major insurance company who told me she's been working at home, all of them have, since March or April. And she got a call from her employer that said, come to the office between 2 and 2.30 on this day because you need to clear out your stuff. We've sold the building. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to be working from home now forever, which you know she was happy about. But that's a trend that you've highlighted that we're going to see replicated, I think, uh, across the country to some extent.
0: Yeah, there's no question. And they're going to come in as huge numbers. So, so the growth in some of these um, uh, uh, stocks, it did very, very well in 2020. Probably not done in some areas because you're going to continue to see this this, this work from home um, th- that's going to continue to occur. But there's anecdotal evidence of this everywhere, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm seeing it with my clients as well and other coworkers. This is a huge shift. I, again, we talked about this before. This is one of those things that was probably going to occur over time, over many years. But the pandemic said, Nat, let's go ahead and take care of business now. And I think people have been surprised. Yours truly has been surprised at how efficient and effective I've been working in my home office. I never thought Mm. that I would be this productive, but I am. So in my little corner of the world, I'm actually working more hours. And I'm more productive and more efficient. So when my office opens back up, am I gonna go in and work my forty plus hours always in all in the office? I'm not. I've told right. my team that. Sure. I'm going to split in between. And I think that story is being repeated millions of times across the country.
1: It is. Hey, Dave, can you stick with us through this break? I've got a couple of extra questions for you. If sure you could stick with us, I really appreciate it. Dave Simons, Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS Financial, host of Dollars and Cents Program here on KMOX. Hey, we'll be right back with some additional questions for Dave here on Overnight America KMOX. News Radio 1120 KMOX. The voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. And uh, Dave Simons has graciously given us his time through the break. He's, of course, the Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS Financial and host of the Dollars and Cents program right here on Camo X. And Dave, uh, a new Rasmussen survey from yesterday finds that 61% of American adults are at least somewhat concerned that a stock market bubble will burst and push the economy back into a recession. Does this kind of tie in with what you were talking about in the last segment about how the market assumes that things will go extremely well?
0: Yeah. Now, I'm actually encouraged by that poll because the last thing that we need is to have you know, 15% of those surveyed think that there is the possibility of a decent sized correction. I'm I'm a real contrarian and it has served me well. So when you have enough caution out there and people are worried and they're just a little on edge, they're still investing, but they're not going hog wild, they're not mortgaging the house to put money in, then that's very, very encouraging. So to have more than 50 percent of those surveyed Worry about a correction. I think is very healthy.
1: Yeah, I, I'm uh, but, sorry to interrupt you, but I just I what came to mind, Dave, was I remember during one of the previous stock market peaks years ago, uh, Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan was warning us of irrational exuberance. You got it, and I'll never forget that term because I loved that phrase, irrational exuberance.
0: And and a little history on that too, Brad. That he said that in December of 1996, the market. Went straight up for another three plus years. So even the (laughs) Fed chief himself cannot time the market. And but and 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 but that proves a point that I'm making too. You had some very smart people in 1996 saying, "I'm really worried about the market. We've got irrational exuberance," and that really freaked a lot of investors out. And it kept everyone honest. Mm -hmm. It kept everyone from getting too crazy and too too giddy about the market. I get worried when we start to see um, some of these polling uh, data show that there's too much enthusiasm. We've seen a little bit of that here and there, but not enough that I'm overly concerned right now.
1: Good. That's actually a good sign. Uh, One of the other trends uh, that I've noticed is that central banks across the globe, not just here in the U.S., but uh, particularly in Europe, Uh, as well, have just plunged back into printing money and easing the money supply, which will, of course, put downward pressure on interest rates. How do you think this will affect investments over the next 12 to 24 months?
0: You know, and even beyond that, Brad, I, I tell you, that is probably the hardest question to answer in the world of finance right now. It really is. I mean, ever since I've been in the business, well, you can go back in the 80s when the deficit was rising and people were worried about in the Reagan years of printing money and we were running record deficits and saying, boy, this is going to end in tears. And and when we look back and, you know, the deficit was, you know, a couple hundred billion, it sounds so quaint now. And yet the economy has continued to power ahead for the most part. Yes, we've had our recessions and corrections and all that, but the trend has still been um, to the upside. And so here we are now, with a deficit in the $30 trillion range, the federal debt anyway. And it's like, when does this finally matter? When Mm -hmm. does it matter? And when do our so-called kids and grandkids have to pay the price? Because I've been hearing that for 40 years. It will someday, Brad. It it will. And I'm not trying to be evasive here, but what I tell people on that, I just say it'll matter when it matters. And Mm -hmm. until then, it won't. Now, here's the deal. Because interest rates are so low, the interest that this government pays on its debt is actually no more than what it paid 10 years ago when rates were higher. So until we see a huge increase in interest rates, it really won't matter to the economy. But is it in? Is it two years? Is it 10 years? That's unknowable. The last thing I'll say about that is, fortunately, You'll have time to see it coming. This is not a pandemic kind of thing that will just sneak right. up on you. You'll start to see things develop within the economy. You'll start to see interest rates rise. You'll start to see a Fed that gets worried, uh-oh, we can't control this. Inflation starting to run out of control. And investors will have time to make some moves. But we're just not there at this point.
1: Understood. Hey, last question for you. You've been extremely generous with your time and I appreciate it. Of course, we're talking to Dave Simon, Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS Financial. Uh, We're here at the end of the year and that's a good time of the year to kind of be uh, introspective and examine where we are financially. So, So what should people do at this point to make sure that their financial house is in order?
0: Yeah, so it, it, it's something that, that everyone should be doing at least twice a year. That, that we, we do reviews typically a couple times a year. Everyone should be looking at it. You can look at it more if you want, but that can get people into trouble if they overanalyze and become like helicopter parents over their own portfolios. But really, it's all about goals. And and I'll leave you with this. I, I have a, a motto. In fact, I have a, a copyrighted. It's an acronym known as the PAIR principle, P A i are and i live by it by for myself and for clients and and the p on that is always the plan what's your plan when are you retiring are you retired what's your income needs what kind of investor are you in terms of risk tolerance what do you want to do with the money when you're gone what insurance needs long-term care i mean there's obviously a whole host of issues we could talk for hours on but that's part of the plan Either do it yourself or sit down with an advisor, but make sure the plan has reasonable goals and a reasonable rate of return, expected return going forward. The A is the, basically the assessment of, of the world around you. How are things going? Oh, we're out of a pandemic. Are we in a pandemic? How, what's the market like? You, you assess things and how that impacts you personally. What's going on right now uh, impacts every individual differently. You need to know how that's impacting you and your goals. The I is the investment part of it. Okay, now that you've figured out what your plan is and you've assessed how you fit into the world and what's going on and where the trends are going, let's put together the investment portfolio. What's the process? Should you have more in large cap growth? Do you need dividends? Are you more aggressive? Let's look at growth. How about bonds? All that. And then the R gets back to what you asked about. And talked about, Brad, it's review. That's the review part. So always go back and look at that again, the plan, the plan, the plan. So that's what people have to determine. It it is amazing. It's cliche, but it's true because I hear this all the time. People plan more for their vacation than they do for their retirement needs. They spend more time figuring out what they're going to do on their vacation than they do on their uh, 401k and their investments for the next year. And it's true. And it shouldn't be like that. People do need to take more time. So it's a great question. It's a great point. Hopefully this will spur some people to sit down and and determine, okay, I'm just kind of throwing money into the market in my 401k, but I really don't know what I'm doing. Well, maybe it's time to either educate yourself or use your advisor to help you through that.
1: Excellent, excellent advice. Dave Simon, Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS Financial. Hey, thank you so much for spending your evening with us here on X.
0: Brad, I appreciate it very much. You have a wonderful new year.
1: You too, my friend. Hopefully we can talk soon. Absolutely. Hey, uh, when we come back from this break, I'm going to ask you, how are you doing financially? What are your thoughts about the coming year? Uh, Probably in the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to get into some predictions for 2021, as if anyone could have predicted 2020. But how are you doing financially? What concerns do you have about money right now? And we can talk about that after the break. Brad Young... Filling in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America on KMOX. We'll be right back. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com. Welcome back to Overnight America. 314-436-7900. Phone lines are open. How are you doing financially? What concerns do you have about money? And how do you think things are going to go in the next 12 months? Would love to hear your opinion on that. And, you know, I always love talking to Dave Simons because not only is he an expert in wealth management, but he is a wealth of knowledge. And when I talk to him, I always, always uh, feel like I've learned something every time I talk to him. And every time I hear his program here, Dollars and Cents on Camo X, every single time I learned something. so I was really really glad he could take time to join us uh, this evening here on Camo X. Uh, before I started talking to Dave though I was mentioning and I talked about the restaurants reopening in the St. Louis area on Monday next Monday. and I wanted to go through just a couple more of the elements of these restrictions and and they're going to be reopened the restaurants and bars uh, subject to some, Rules. Now, the, the question that I have is, why wasn't this done a month and a half ago? Why wasn't this done two months ago? Because if you follow the science, we keep hearing, follow the science. we got to follow the science. Follow the science. Well, folks, the science and every study that I've seen shows that either a very, very small number, or in some cases that number is zero, of COVID cases can be traced to restaurants. Now I'm not suggesting that there shouldn't be some restrictions, and I certainly believe that there should be. But to this day, I have not seen a single study or research report that indicated that restaurants were a major source of COVID transmission. In fact, I think I mentioned this uh, Monday night as well. But in San Diego, when a judge, when restaurants challenged, when restaurants challenged these restrictions in San Diego County, California. The county couldn't even point to one case of COVID that they could trace to restaurant exposure. Not one. And in New York, which has had some of the highest rates of COVID, not only in the country, but in the world, the best numbers that they could show, and that was giving all the, 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 the credibility they could muster, they were saying in New York that only, at best 4% of COVID cases were being traced to restaurants. And so we don't know what that number is here, but even if it's between 0 and 4%, did that justify closing restaurants down? It did not. And I'm going to go through a few of those uh, restrictions and guidelines with you in a moment, but I'm going to hear from Larry. Larry wants to talk about Sam Page. Hey Larry, welcome to Camoax.
2: So I got two quick points. Number one, what gives Sam Page the authority for me to leave my driver's license My phone number and my address, it's not happening.
1: Larry, that's a fantastic question. Now, he's going to claim, and it would not surprise me if we see litigation on this, but he's going to claim that he has the authority to institute reasonable health and safety guidelines for the reopening of restaurants in his authority, inherent authority as the chief executive of St. Louis County. And, keeping track of people's names, addresses, phone numbers, and contact information, he would argue, falls under that authority for public welfare. Now, I think it's an invasion of privacy, and I really hope that someone challenges those rules because I know, for one, as much as I want to go back to a restaurant, I really don't want my children to get carded when they go into a restaurant to get a cheeseburger.
2: Absolutely. Secondly, you said something about uh, monetary. How's your monetary situation? Yes. Here's how I'm going to handle my monetary situation. When I get my $600, my check for whatever they call that, mm-hmm. stimulus check, I mm-hmm. suppose. Yep. I'm going to take that $600 check, I'm going to run it through a Dominion computer and it's going to turn out, it's going to print out a hundred thousand dollars for me and I'll be, and I'll be in good stead. What do you think? Well,
1: I, when that, when that happens, Larry, you call me, we'll meet out in St. Charles and go to a restaurant where they won't card us. Okay.
2: Don't bring your driver's I, wife. We'll leave it at home, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Happy new year. Happy
1: new year to you too, my friend. Appreciate you calling in. Uh, he's got a point, And I mentioned this last in the, in the beginning rather of this hour, is that I have some legitimate legal concerns about these kinds of restrictions. And what's interesting is, is that the, the measures and the orders limit business hours. So bars and restaurants will have to close indoor dining by 10 p.m. Now, that's another thing. I, 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 this, this coronavirus apparently can tell time. Uh, because it can't it can't spread until up until 959. but my goodness, like Cinderella at the stroke of midnight, it's going to magically change into something uh, 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 more lethal at 10:01 pm. So we've got to close all the restaurants at 10 p.m. That's absurd. And uh, the other thing about this is is that restaurants will be limited to either 25% of their capacity inside for indoor dining or to the maximum number of customers they can have seated at tables six feet apart from one another, whichever is lower. So when you go into a restaurant, now listen, that's actually one that I don't mind. I, I think that restriction has merit, and it's valid to have a table six feet apart, to require servers to wear masks at all times, to require guests and patrons to wear masks when they're not eating. That's fine. I wholeheartedly agree with that, but I don't understand the closure at 10 p.m., and I really object from a privacy perspective to this idea that they're going to be carting us and taking down all of our information of everyone at the table, not just the person that pays, which obviously they got to have that, right? Unless you're going to wash dishes, but uh, they're going to be now getting all the information for everyone that I do object to. Now, what's interesting is how Jefferson City is going to respond to this. I've talked with a number of legislators, both in the Missouri House and in the Missouri Senate, over the past three months. And all of them have told me, and I've even seen the pre-filed bills at Jefferson City. You can check them out yourself. They're online. That there are a number of pre-filed bills that will come before the legislature in January that will limit the county executive's authority to institute these types of health and safety measures. And in fact, in at least one, if not two, of the bills that I've reviewed, what it would do is it would uh, initiate a time restriction stating that a county executive would be empowered to unilaterally institute health and safety rules during a pandemic or during any other type of a health crisis, but for a limited amount of time. And I think one bill has two weeks and maybe another one has four weeks but it's a very limited amount of time. And after that limited amount of time expires, those, uh, those health and safety orders and restrictions would be revoked and nullified unless it was affirmed by the Missouri legislature. And I think there's a lot of merit in that because we're seeing, a, not just here locally, but we're seeing across the country uh, this power grab by governors, by county executives uh, in states where they're just exerting enormous amounts of pressure. And that's to me, is the irony of all of this. Because if you look at what Sam Page said in his announcement yesterday, I'm going to give you one quote. Here's what he said. The pandemic has been harder on the restaurant industry than on most, and it's up to all of us who value a dynamic restaurant scene in St. Louis County, to support those local businesses as they weather the COVID-19 storms. Sam Page, where was your support? Where was your support two months ago? You know, when you blame the pandemic as being harder on the restaurant industry, it was your orders, it was your executive orders that was hard on the restaurant industry, not just the pandemic. I mean, sure, the pandemic was hard because people were reluctant to go out. But your orders are the ones that shut businesses down. Your orders were the ones that put restaurants out of business. Your orders were the ones that caused uh, restaurant servers and waiters and dishwashers to lose their income, put their families in jeopardy, and put them on the brink of bankruptcy and make them require and beg and scream for scraps from the federal government in terms of a $600 COVID check. So it's not just... The pandemic that did that, County Executive Sam Page, it was your executive order. And so it's ironic that you come and blame the pandemic on this shutdown of our industry, a major industry here in St. Louis, when that shutdown was done at the stroke of your pen. So I will be very interested, very interested to see what type of legislation comes out of Jefferson City to limit the county executive's future ability to institute these types of restrictions. You know, it's not just in Jefferson City. Last week, I talked with uh, St. Louis County Councilman Ernie Tracus. He was on, and we talked about a whole host of county issues, one of them being these health and safety orders from the county executive. And Ernie Tracus, Councilman Tracus, specifically said that many, many people on the uh, the St. Louis County Council, not just Republicans— The Republicans and Democrats alike were outraged at how the county executive has unilaterally and without accountability and without transparency taken these steps and measures that resulted in the direct shutdown of one of the largest business sectors in the St. Louis region. So we'll be anxiously awaiting uh, legislation from Jefferson City and reforms coming from Clayton. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. More to come in the next hour. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
2: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.